Does God still heal the sick? I respond to that question with a loud, affirmative yes. And on this episode, you're going to learn keys to receiving your miracle from God. It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. Does God heal the sick? Absolutely yes. I've seen it hundreds, even thousands of times. And I'm going to give you keys on this episode concerning how to receive a miracle, how to receive a healing touch from God. It is available. I believe it's part of our inheritance as children of the Most High. Let's start with internal healing first, though. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. The psalmist is talking to his soul and says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, who heals all your diseases. So, does the soul have diseases? Absolutely, yes. The word disease comes from two roots, dis-ease, and it means anything that takes your ease from you or peace of life, quality of life from you, that robs you of quality of life. And of course, there's many things soulishly that do that. What is the soul? It's the realm of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And many times, of course, our minds are muddled with all kinds of confusion or fears that plague our minds, and maybe our emotions are distraught, torn apart with depression or grief or anger or lust. There's all kinds of internal warfare that takes place inside of us. And of course, sometimes our will is not as strong as it should be in resisting these things, especially prior to salvation. But once a person is born again, the healing starts. I believe Jesus indicated that when he announced his ministry in the synagogue at Nazareth. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. And the next thing he said is to heal the brokenhearted. So he's talking about those who have been crushed by life, disappointed by life. Their hearts are broken to pieces. Well, that's an internal work of healing that he intends to do through many influences, through the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and uh, the promises that he's given us in his Word, and his own personal influence, his personal presence within us brings healing to the inner man. First of all, our spirits are dead in trespasses and sins, and uh, the Spirit is the, uh, the part of you that is functioning in uh, communion with God, revelation from God, and conscience. And all of those have been sickened with the effect of sin. You, you've been, in fact, cut off from communion with God, and you don't receive revelation from God in a lost state unless God decides to bridge the gap 
and your conscience is barely functional. When you are born again, God heals your conscience. It's purged from dead works to serve the living God, and you have restored communion with God, and you have an open door of revelation from God. So the Spirit is the first part of you that is healed in a major and a miraculous way. And that filters down into the soul, where God, on an ongoing day-by-day basis, is introducing truth into your life through the spirit of truth and the word of truth and the influence of the God of truth who brings healing to your emotions and healing to your mind and strengthens your will. So that healing is passing from your spirit to your soul to your body. And God wants to heal all three parts of you. Next, number two, this is the second key to healing. You need to understand that it's part of the Abrahamic blessing. And the first time that healing is spoken of in Scripture, it was in reference to Abraham. Abraham uh, was married to a woman who apparently did not look her age. She was a knockout at 90, right? And uh, Abimelech was a ruler in the region where Abraham was at. He saw Sarah and desired her and asked Abraham if that was his wife or his sister, and he told a half-truth. This was about the only flaw I've ever seen scripturally in Abraham's character. He could not believe that God would preserve him if he was honest about Sarah being his wife. She was his half-sister, so it was partially true. So Abimelech took her into his harem, and God prevented him from ever having relations with her, but consequently God cursed the women in Abimelech's harem, and they quit bearing children. And it was discovered that Abraham had uh, really deceived him, and that it was truly Abraham's wife. And so Abimelech came to Abraham, and God actually told Abraham, he spoke to Abraham to pray for Abimelech's wives, and they were healed. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants, and they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Wow. So Abraham was the first one to demonstrate healing power, and he had to pray for someone who had actually stolen his wife. Now, I'm sure that was a, a very difficult thing for him to accomplish because I'm sure he didn't feel like praying something uh, beneficial for Abimelech and his wife, but it worked. He was healed. And that's the way uh, God works when we are willing to forgive others, when we are willing to love others to the point where we push past feelings of bitterness or anger, then healing power is even more accessible to us. And I could tell a story on this. Elizabeth, many years ago, my wife, uh, had been treated very badly. In fact, that's not a good enough description. She had been treated horrendously by some people. And she had a right, if you look at things logically, to be very bitter against those individuals and to hold a grudge if she was prone to doing that. But uh, she was in a service, actually, where I was preaching on forgiveness. 
and she was dealing with this issue just as she dealt with it for months. And at that moment, she told me later on, she made a quality decision to release them from the pain they had caused her and the harm they had done. She, at that time, had been going through a real struggle with TMJ. She had gone through oral surgery six months prior. Both jaws were popped out of joint. And for six months, she was tr pushing all the time, trying to get her jaws to go back into place in terrible agony. And we prayed, but never saw any real results. And then I happened to be preaching on forgiveness. She was listening. She made this decision to forgive these people. And about that same time, she felt that pain shoot through her jaws. So she started trying to push it up. And I looked at her and I got angry. And I believe sometimes anger is a beneficial emotion if you're desiring healing. You're not angry at people or angry at God. You're angry at living beneath your inheritance or angry at the invasion of sickness in your life. And I got angry that she was still suffering. And in my mind, I never spoke it. Strangely, I was involved in preaching. But in my mind, I looked her direction and thought, she's got to be healed today. It's like, fireball shooting through my mind. And this surprised look came on her face and she started feeling her cheeks like that. I knew what had happened. And after church, she came up to me and said, Mike, the most wonderful thing happened to me when you were preaching today. And when you looked at me, I said, that sounds romantic, honey. Tell me about it. And of course, I was teasing around. She said, no, when you looked at me, my jaws popped into place for the first time in six months. And I said, I know, I thought a miracle your direction. And I learned that faith is a powerful force, even in thought form, when that miracle took place. But see, uh, it was hinged to forgiveness, too. It was hinged to Elizabeth being willing in her heart of hearts to forgive those individuals. And that opened the windows of heaven over her. And if you've been having a struggle with bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone, and you've got sickness in your life, try taking care of that first issue and release them from that spiritual indebtedness. Declare, I forgive them, and then expect God to come through with a miracle. This is very important to see. This is key number three that the first thing God revealed when he brought the children of Israel out of Egypt was the fact that he was a healing God. Apparently, once they were delivered from bondage, the bondage of slavery in Egypt, the first revelation he wanted to introduce into their lives was his identity as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord our healer. And listen to the verse that, it, that is the pivotal verse of this revelation in Exodus Chapter 15, verse 26, God said at the waters of Merah, and I'll get back to that in just a moment, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, God said, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh Rapha, in the Hebrew, I am the Lord who heals you. Now, if God made that boast concerning his own nature, his own character, he will certainly follow it up with the performance. He would never boast of that aspect of his identity and then withhold healing from his people. 
Notice his concept of healing, though, is not just divine healing, but divine health. He said that he would put none of the diseases on them that had come on the Egyptians. So I believe sometimes we should pray to that degree, that we're not just waiting to be sick to call on God as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord our healer, but as often as it comes to mind, maybe every few days, you should say, Lord, I just believe you are Yahweh Rapha over my life, over our family, over our home. You're the Lord that protects us from disease. It's far better to believe in divine health as opposed to divine healing. I use this example quite often. For instance, uh, if you have a 100-foot cliff and jagged rocks beneath on a shoreline, which is better? Which is better, a fence at the top or an ambulance service at the bottom? Of course, you would say the fence at the top. Well, why not believe in divine health and praise God for it? Often, as opposed to waiting until you get sick and then believing God for divine healing. Okay, here's a good point. Key number four. Many times you'll beat yourself up saying, I deserve to be sick. I've had a bad attitude or this or that, or somehow I've earned this sickness coming upon my body. Let me tell you what God says about healing in Psalm 107, verses 17 through 20. It starts out with the word fools. Watch it now. Fools, because of their transgression, because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of all their distresses. Key verse now, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Wow, that's powerful. He sent his word and healed them. Who's he talking about? Fools that repent of their foolishness and their transgression and their iniquities. They come up to the door of death as a result, but they repent sincerely before God, and God sends his word to heal them. Does that necessarily have to be an audibly uh, spoken word into your life? Not necessarily so. God can speak, and you may never hear it literally, but he speaks healing into your life. And then again, it may be something he speaks to your heart. He sent his word and healed them. Then again, his word may come through another individual who speaks a prayer of faith into your life. But it does come in the form of words. Words are very important in obtaining healing. Jesus healed with the spoken word. And if we're going to receive the same kind of results, we've got to use the same kind of methods because he did say, he who believes on me, the works I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And I've never found where Jesus begged the Father to heal the sick. I've never found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John any example where Jesus said, oh God, please touch this person and alleviate his suffering. It was always a command. It was always a declared promise of God. And the apostles and disciples picked up the same method from him. For instance, at the gate beautiful, when Peter saw the man crippled from his mother's womb, 
who was begging for alms. He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, arise and walk. And the man went leaping and jumping and praising God. I don't think Peter would have gotten those kind of results if he had said, oh God, please touch this man. And yet many people who dismiss the idea of miracles to a certain degree or or they minimize it, let's say that way. They'll sometimes admit, oh yes, God still works miracles, but you can't manipulate or control God or rob him of his sovereignty. And they believe that speaking with authority is robbing God of his sovereignty. You're making the command instead of God. I don't see it that way. Because if I've been sent by God, just as he sent the early disciples, he told them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. It's part of the same package. And also, when I speak with authority, I'm not taking authority over God. I'm taking authority over sickness in his name, in obedience to his calling in a believer's life. I'm not dominating God. I'm cooperating with God. I'm not manipulating God. I'm cooperating with God and offering him a channel of authority to work through. I believe you'll see a whole lot more results if you pray that way. You have to fully expect God to heal the sick if you're going to see them healed. You can't have an if kind of attitude. You can't say, if it be your will, you've already knocked the props out from underneath yourself when you approach it that way. You've got to have that edge of authority if you're going to see results. And you need to understand, too, that key number five, Jesus provided healing for the body before he provided forgiveness for the soul. He was striped in Pilate's Hall. He was whipped in Pilate's Hall before he was crucified on Golgotha. And of course, on Golgotha, he paid the debt for our sins. He tasted death for every man, which is the ultimate outcome of sin. But in Pilate's Hall, he was striped. He was whiplashed. And we have two main scriptures for that. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, Isaiah the prophet said, with his stripes, we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and with his stripes, we are healed. Then over in Peter's writings, 1 Peter 2.24, he said, with his stripes, you were healed. That's curious. The tense is different. Why? Because Isaiah was seeing it in advance, the whole chapter 53rd chapter of Isaiah is about the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus, his time of suffering. And so why would he say are? Shouldn't it be more correct to say with his stripes we will be healed? No, I believe all the healings that took place in the Old Testament, in a sense, were effected on a credit line that would be paid off hundreds, even thousands of years later. It's like those who believed God for a healing in the Old Testament time and received it, got it on credit in the knowledge that eventually Jesus would pay off the total debt during his Passion Week. And then Peter, of course, was looking back in time toward the cross, and he said, with his stripes, you were healed. Well, if you were healed, past tense, it's a done deal. 
then you are healed, present tense. If it's a past tense fact, it's a present tense possession. And I lay claim to it in the name of Jesus. However, key number six, you can't approach it in a formula kind of mindset. You can't say, well, it's always going to work if I speak with authority and if I act on Jesus' command where he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to this promise, be removed. You can speak to this mountain, rather, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and it will obey your voice. That was his promise. Mark eleven twenty three. he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can speak to this mountain. You speak to this mountain and it will obey your voice. Wow. But it doesn't always have to happen that way. Because I've seen people healed that just were praising God. They weren't commanding anything. And I've seen people healed in the Bible, too, that just pled with God. For instance, blind Bartimaeus. He wasn't speaking a word of faith. He'd never been to a faith seminar or a healing seminar to learn how to acquire your miracle. He just heard the Messiah was coming by, and he cried out, Have mercy on me, son of David. Have mercy on me, son of David recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, because to call him the son of David was to recognize the messianic promise in the Davidic line. And of course, Jesus opened his eyes. Same with the 10 lepers. They cried out, son of David, have mercy upon us. Son of David, have mercy upon us, recognizing him as the Messiah. And he responded to their plea for mercy. So will God heal the sick still? Uh, even though someone may approach him with that kind of pleading, humble attitude? Absolutely. It, you don't have rigid rules that work every single time. Well, I believe I've covered enough territory. These are six keys, and I'm going to do another program on this where I go into some more keys to receive in your healing, but I want to pray for you right now. And I want every one of you that need a healing to receive this prayer into your life. In the name of Jesus, we take authority right now over every sickness, every disease, plaguing any person that watches this podcast, that watches this program. In the name of Jesus, be healed right now by the stripes that were laid on Jesus' back, by the price that he paid, by the power of his name, by the truth of his word, and the promise of Exodus 15, 26, where he said, I am the Lord who heals you. May that word go into your life powerfully right now and drive sickness from your body, your soul, and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shree, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.